This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have in this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast today is Rob May, co-founder and CEO of Tala. Tala is in the customer support automation space. And what we do is we take your, not just your ticketing data, but your actual support content. We ingest it and understand it. The biggest thing that we see in our customers and the reason that they, they do this is, you know, hiring is a, is a challenge right now. At least, you know, here in the U.S., the labor market is pretty tight. And so we've sold to a lot of very high growth tech companies who need to hire 150 support reps this year and they just can't. So they're looking for ways for how they make their existing support reps more productive. And we know that, you know, with Tala, that can be anywhere from sort of 20 to 60% productivity increase depending on the nature of their business. This is Rob. He has a background in engineering, business development and management and holds a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering and an MBA from the University of Kentucky. In October 2008, he co-founded and became the CEO of Backupify, which provided a secure second copy of cloud data. Their clients included companies like Salesforce and Google Apps and more. Backupify was acquired by Datto in December 2014, and Rob became the SVP of Business Development, overseeing the Backupify integration after the acquisition. In August 2015, May co-founded and became the CEO of Tala, which develops machine intelligence, virtual assistance, and conversation UI and UX for enterprises. In addition, Tala is launching a decentralized bot registration and marketplace platform called BotChain. When I learned about the positive impact that Tala has on support organizations, I instantly invited Rob to my podcast. We explore his views on what's broken in the market for search, and how that is actually leading to unwanted behavior. We also address his learnings on technology adoption and why this is not only of fundamental importance to increase user productivity, but also to keep your solutions always in sync with the reality of the business. By listening to this podcast, you will learn three things. Firstly, how you can kill two birds with one stone by adopting a UX slash UI driven way of thinking about machine learning. Secondly, why succeeding with AI is not so much about segmenting the market by traditional demographics, but more one of addressing the right mindset. And thirdly, how to make solid progress by following a test and invest approach. So Rob, thank you for being a guest on my podcast and making the time available for this in your busy schedule. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Well, it's it's a pleasure. I've been following you for a while, both from a, from a company perspective, but also via your newsletter, which is great, by the way. And yeah, I mean, what is what what is typically interesting for my audience is first of all to understand a little bit about you. What drives you in day to day business? What are your passions? Well, there's a lot of them. I'm an electrical engineering major by trade. That's what I studied in college, and then went on to business school. And I was a hardware designer for a long time. I'm still very much into hardware. If you read my newsletter, you'll see me talk about AI hardware from time to time because I'm fascinated by it. And then I I sort of fell into entrepreneurship because I just really loved it. And, you know, this Tala is my my fourth company. It's the second one that's venture backed. You know, one of those was actually just a franchise, which I which I bought and ran, but but love to stay on the tech side. I like the hit and miss nature of venture back startups. They're very challenging, but also very rewarding. And so most of my time today, you know, is is spent on Tala, right? We're in that that early growth phase where we've got about 60 customers. It's growing pretty fast. We have a bunch of, you know, a bunch of free accounts that we're trying to convert over and, you know, just solving all the the product and onboarding and team growth challenges that that come with that. And then you know, on top of that, I also do a, a fair amount of AI angel investing. So at last count, I think I had 63 investments. Yeah, I heard it via your podcast, which is also something that is pretty interesting for other people to listen to, by the way. So talking about Tala, can, can you describe in, in one sentence or, or in, sh- in short, what is this all about? What is the big idea behind it? So Tala is in the customer support automation space. And what we do is we take your not just your ticketing data, but your actual support content, we ingest it and understand it. And then we do one of two things, depending on on what you want us to do. We either make that available via self-service model to your end customers via widget or chatbot or whatever, or we make it available via Chrome plugin, Slack, Microsoft team plugin to your reps. So the end result is that instead of trying to figure out, I mean, I'm sure you've had the experience of you go to search the help at some kind of system and you know you're 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 searching for you know how do i change my shipping address and you get 19 articles about yep. shipping and it's not very helpful and what tala does is we just give you the answer back and we do that because of the way that we ingest the data we don't have a search index we don't do a keyword search we actually build machine learning models that map down to granular sentence or multi or paragraph level responses okay that's an interesting area, and I think there's indeed a good use for it. But, but what, was, what do you believe is broken in this market? I mean, and, and what would we get if we solve this? Well, the biggest thing that we see in our customers and the reason that they, they do this is, you know, hiring is a, is a challenge right now. At least, you know, here in the U.S., the labor market is pretty tight. And so we've sold to a lot of very high-growth tech companies who need to hire 150 support reps this year, and they just can't. So they're looking for ways for how they make their existing support reps more productive. And we know that, you know, with Tala, that can be anywhere from sort of 20 to 60% productivity increase, depending on the nature of their business. The second thing that's driving it that's really broken everything is just the explosion in content and information, which is hard to manage. And it, you know, it's, it's made search less functional than it has been in the past. And so people have looked for other opportunities to use machine learning, to use artificial intelligence to come in and solve some of these information retrieval problems. Interesting. So what, what triggered you to, to, to start this? I mean, you, you said this is your fourth company. You've got an investment in, in 60 plus more. What triggered 
this was it a, the conversation you had was it a, a personal experience always interesting to hear about it yeah i read the google paper from i think it was late 2014 on word vectors and i realized that we were about to go into a world where There's lots of unstructured data in the world, particularly unstructured text. And I realized that we were on the verge of moving into a world where that that unstructured text was computable. And so I started thinking about what could you do if you could compute on that text? And so that's what was interesting to me. And that was the genesis for it. And so we started in the HR space, looking at some stuff there around unstructured text. And we really were drawn by the customer base into this idea of customer facing content and how to better retrieve and automate that. Interesting. One of the things, by the way, that triggered me recently from your newsletter was your, yeah, your comments on the whole way yeah, AI and the conversation around AI is changing at the moment. You gave three examples. There's typically the discussion around auto- automation and augmentation. But one of the things you said was, you see where the article is here, the whole automation versus job debate will, will mostly go away. Second one was workers will start to embrace AI as co-workers. And the third one was AI will show how stupid some work practices are. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? And also in relation to, to your own company? Sure. So we have not seen, you take Tal as an example. And while at a macro level, yes, there, there is a risk that decades from now, robots are better at everything than us. And, and, and I don't know what happens in that world. But in the near term, in the next 10 to 15 years, this is not a concern I have at all. While there will be some job displacement, I think what you'll actually see is, you know, when you look at the numbers is when you add automation and you need fewer humans, you lower the cost of doing something and therefore you can do more of it. So a perfect example is bank tellers, right? When ATMs came around, you need fewer tellers, but now you can put, you know, bank branches in more places. They can be smaller. They can, you need fewer humans to run them. So, you know, I, and I'm making these numbers up because I don't know the banking industry, but say it costs $2 million to run a branch. Now, if it costs $700,000 to run a branch, you can put branches in places that you couldn't afford to open one before. I know this is true with a lot of warehousing companies. You know, when you look at Amazon and Walmart and some of those places, when they add automation to their warehouses, now it's cheaper to build. They can build smaller warehouses that are more automated, that require fewer people. It means they can put them closer to customers. They don't have to have them all centralized to get that economies of scale. And so I, I think from the automation perspective, I think that's what you're going to see a lot of over the next, um, you know, over the next decade, decade and a half. On, on, the, on the last point there that I, that I mentioned in that article, I think AI is going to show us that a lot of hiring practices or practices in general, work practices, aren't that smart. And, you know, you see this in video games where AIs come up with new strategies that people haven't tried before, things humans haven't thought of. But, but I think you're going to see it a lot in work. And we have an example at Tala where in the early days, we were trying to see if we created this algorithm called CVTVEC. And it was sort of modeled after word vectors, but it looked at somebody's LinkedIn profile. And then we tried to build overlapping vector matches between two people whose LinkedIn profiles were similar. But it turns out all that tells us is that you write similar profiles. It doesn't actually tell us that you do similar styles of work. Yeah. And so you're, you're sort of, you know, when you're abstracted from the data like that, you know, it's, it's the same problem we've had for a long time, which is you're going to do resume keyword screening and then people learn that. And so they start keyword stuffing their resumes. So, you know, it's a, it's a constant battle. And so I, I think AI is going to show us some of the things that we've been doing that don't work very well. Exactly. Well, I mean, also uh, the interesting part about well, workers embracing AI co-workers, I think a really interesting area is there is that 
yeah, they will really, really start to see them as co-workers and particularly also in the areas where AI is then going to help them with insights and with maybe a, well, prescriptive and predictive insights to help yeah, make them do things they've never done before. Do you have any examples already on that uh, within Tala? I do, but I'll, I'll start with an example maybe that more people can relate to, right? So think about Think about a washing machine, right? So when we when washing machines first came around and you didn't have to wash clothes anymore, you still had to set up the washing machine and you still have to do that today. I have to determine the cycle time and you know the water temperature and, and whatever else. And so that's what's going to happen is instead of doing the task, people are not going to do the task, but they're going to set up the task. They're going to monitor the task. They're going to train their AI coworkers to do the task. They're going to, you know, it, it's you're going to be more, everybody's going to need better training skills and managerial skills than they've had and less sort of just functional do the thing skills. And so, you know, to give you some examples from Tala, there's a whole bunch of things that we automate in an organization. And so one of those is when a question comes in, when somebody asks a question, maybe it's about a new product and you don't have a knowledge base example for it, we can automatically route that to a subject matter expert. So there's nobody that has to go in and triage it, right? There's nobody that has to figure out, huh, who should answer this question about this new product? Like we, we learn that by looking at other behaviors in the system. We go in and start to do natural language analysis on your content. So if you do write a support article, let's say one of the things that people miss is business vernacular might be very different than sort of colloquial English. And so let's say you have a word like ARM, A-R-M. Well, if you're a healthcare company, you know, you probably mean your physical appendage, you know, your arm. If you're a device company, arm might represent a computer chip that's in your device. And if you're a finance company, arm might be a, an acronym for adjustable rate mortgage. And we need to know those distinctions. And if you train your natural language models on just, you know, Wikipedia data, you don't always pick up on that. And so a lot of what we try to do is we try to, to get, we try to get humans to tag things to tell us what's important. And the thing we've learned about that is you can't, if I, if you're a support worker and I ask you, Hey, here's a spreadsheet of a hundred things. Can you, you know, can you categorize all the keywords or all the key entities in here? So my language models will be better. You won't do it because you'll look like that's a bunch of work. But if I come up and I tell you what I, if I make a guess and I say, I think this is a key entity, you will tell me yes or no, particularly if it's a no, because you'll be like, no, 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 that's wrong. You're happy to train the system. True. And so that's where we spend a lot of our, our time focused on is use cases like that. Yeah, I saw, for example, that you're, you've got an employment going on at SAP. And yep. that's, that provided you with, at the moment, a score of 93% correct answers on the customer inquiries, which is incredibly high. Yeah, now they didn't start there, right? So, when SA, so SAP has been deployed. We're, we're in a division there. They've been using Tala for about six months. And okay. I, I believe in the first month, it was something like 40% accurate. But by training the system... They have gotten to the point where I, I believe their score last month was 93% accuracy for Tala answering, you know, customer questions, which means just a lot less work for their customer success team. You know, they can focus on higher value activities and more proactive activities and not just like the reactive responding to, to common questions things. Gotcha. So what, what always interests me about, you know, how this has been evolving, you've been in business since 2015. So what do you, where you are right now, what do you believe are the two or three or maybe one significant thing or remarkable thing that you've put into the product that, that makes it yeah, outstanding? The single biggest thing, you know, if you look at the reason that there, there's a lot of people in our space, and if you look at the thing that customers tell us they love about Tala, 
It is that it was built such that all the training that you have to do of the machine learning models is integrated with your existing workflows. So if you compare that to most of the other people in this space, what will happen is they will get a bunch of data from you. They will go off and train a model. They will give you a model back that you can then deploy that may help. That model may go out of calibration because information changes and the world moves on. And then it's work to go train it again. It's a process. Tala just has a user interface that we've been very thoughtful about over the last three years that integrates with your workflows in ways that all the little things you're doing are constantly training the Tala machine learning models. And so it's always up to date. You know, it's always sort of performing the best it's ever performed. It's constantly getting better. And I think it's that, I think the unique thing about us is that, in a, is that UX, UI driven way of thinking about machine learning. Okay. Can you exp explain a little bit? Can you give an example on that? Sure. So one of the things that you can look, that you can look at is, let's say you have, you have an answer, right? One of the things we do when we, you know, you, you retrieve an answer from Tala for a customer support question is we automatically tell you, we have a machine learning model that tells you if we think that answer is still valid. And the reason that we do that is because information decays over time. Some information changes rapidly and some information doesn't. And so one of the things we do is, If you, you know, we might ask you to, we might say, we think this is out of date. Will you verify that this is still true? And you can say, yes, it's true. No, it's not. It needs to be updated. Or I don't actually know. If you say, I don't know, we'll just ask somebody else the next time it's retrieved. Gotcha. But, the, but what that allows us to do is start to build by seeing when information goes out of date, we can start to build machine learning models about certain types of information, certain categories of information, and how frequently they are likely to be refreshed. Yeah, true. Interesting. And that's, that's why I've, I've seen a couple of those scenarios whereby it's really that integration into the day-to-day -day workflow help, also helps with, uh, yeah, helping the users to change behaviors. Right. That, that's key as well. So, I mean, being in the market now for a while, get your 60 customers, what did you learn selling this? Because, I mean, for a lot of companies, this is like a big step forward. Or is this yeah. something that's... Yeah, so we, we've learned a lot, right? Because the, the 60 customers are sort of paying enterprise customers. You know, we have, we, we have a lot of people on free trial and then we have a, you know, we, we've had thousands of sort of free customers, you know, over the history of the company. And, and part of what we learned was a couple of things. First of all, there's, there's not yet a core demographic that is adopting AI. It's hard to say, oh, companies of this size and shape and industry do it. What you see is it's more of a psychographic, right? It is People with a certain mindset that are forward thinking, that want to be innovative, it's those kinds of companies that are looking at AI. Let me make a small interruption here. Rob just made an excellent remark about alternative ways to segment the market. This is a key trait of remarkable software businesses, as I will reveal in my upcoming book. That said, if you want to get some fresh guidance on strategic segmentation, or if you want to understand what you can do to make your software business both remarkable and impactful, just drop me a note at ton.dobi at valueinspiration.com. Back to the interview. And the companies that are successful are willing to do a lot of, a lot of cultural change. So an example of a cultural change is being willing to follow the training workflows, which we're not, not used to doing with software, right? Even if they're minor, a lot of people won't do them. The innovation, we didn't have that built into Tala initially. And so the very first customer that we had who was really, really, really successful with the product, we called them and we said, hey, you guys are knocking it out of the park. What are you doing? And the, and the, the support manager said, oh, I make everybody train Tala, you know, sort of five minutes every week or five questions or, or whatever it was. And 
we learned that they had this very regimented training program for the software to make it better. And so we, we took a lot of those ideas and said, great, how do we build this into the software? Yeah, true. Yeah, it's the behavioral aspect that is, that is key. Because if the users don't, don't adopt it and they keep doing their own thing, it will never learn. And, and then right. it will be a failure. So, well, having f- started four companies and being VC-backed, what do you believe are, are, is, is a big secret or something that, that you need to do right in order to become a remarkable company to, su- to be successful? Yeah, that's a great question. So the, the barriers to doing everything keep getting lower. And I've seen this for, from Tala compared to my last company that, you know, in 2009, 2010, when my last company was early, if you were doing retargeting, if you were strong on content and SEO, you know, your customer acquisition was, was above everybody else's. Now there are tools that make it so easy. Everybody's good at that kind of stuff. So everything keeps getting more and more competitive. So I really think, I think for B2B companies, since there hasn't been any, there haven't been any new customer acquisition channels open up for B2B really since social. And there's enough expertise out there for everybody about how to do the, you know, how to, how to manage these, these existing channels. It's gotten more competitive. And so I think to be really, really great as a B2B company now, you have to be really, really awesome at sales and marketing. You have to be creative and industrious. More generally, if you're, if you're thinking about tech startups in general, you know, I think the key is that you have to have some kind of unique insight somewhere. You have to notice something about the world that, that other people don't notice. And that's harder to do than people think. And this is why you see so many Me Too companies and you see so many companies around similar ideas that never work out. And when they sure. finally do work out, it's a very nuanced twist to the business model that sometimes makes it work. Exactly. Well, what intrigues me is your point about being great at sales and marketing. Any specific anecdotes there? Well, I think one of my mentors at my last company had been at Constant Contact and they were a very great early online marketing company. And, you know, I, I think he summed it up very well which, with the mantra, test and invest, right? Don't go blow big budgets on things, run lots of small experiments, know most of them are going to fail and then invest in the stuff that works until, yeah. you know, until it hits its limits. Yeah. And I agree with you, by the way, on having a unique insight. At, at the end, it's about yeah, shifting perspectives. And if that's the case, then you and you and you reach the right audience for that. Like you said, the, the, the psychographic aspect for thinkers and so on, then, then things can go a long way. I'm writing a book about it, by the way. So, Oh, great. That's, that's, that's where the interest is coming from. Exactly. Cool. So yeah, from, from the, t- the tidbits of wisdom that you've gained so far, I mean, what, what advice would you give to executives in, in your target market? How to start thinking different? Because at the end, I think the, the type of solutions we're getting, right, we're getting bringing to market right now requires us to, do, to, to think different. Yeah, so, so a couple of things. I wrote, a, I wrote an ebook based on a presentation that I gave because I got asked this question a lot. And so a couple of years ago, I put together a framework that I call the PAC framework. And PAC stands for Predict, Automate, and Classify. As a, it's a framework that, it, that executives can use to start to apply AI because there's a lot that AI can do. You want to start with something that's going to be successful and impact your business operations. And so I would encourage them to make a, a box, right? Sort of a chart, three by three matrix. And on one side list, you know, predict, automate, classify. On the other side list, you know, product, operations, customers. And then fill in, you, you don't have to fill in, you know, every box, but figure out where, where, where are some interesting problems where those intersects, right? What can, you, what can you predict about your customers? What can you automate about your operations, for example, right? And, 
write some notes in there. And then once you have a couple of ideas, then you can go down and look at, okay, you know, do we have the data to do this? Would this have the economic impact that we think? Do we have the team to do this? But a lot of people don't know where to start because they, they're very torn. You know, you read the news and you're like, oh my gosh, AI can do everything. And then other times it seems like AI can't do almost anything. And that's because of this sort of research and applied gap, right? Most of the AI news that you read is very researchy. It's a, it's a long way from being applied and put into day-to-day products. And so the know-how to do that, the, the messiness of real-world data and real-world interactions is still, still being worked out for some of these models. Interesting. I'll definitely uh, look up uh, the ebook. So what is next for you? What is your greatest aspiration? You know, I, I want to get Tala to cash flow positive. I mean, so we, you know, we're probably another two years away from that, but I'm very focused on that, you know, growing the company at a nice clip and getting to that point. And then, and then we'll see. I don't, I don't think much out beyond that. Okay. Well, that uh, make, makes a lot of sense to become cash positive. So if there's anyone in the audience that could, could help you, what would you ask them? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Well, number one, I would love if people would, you know, would take a demo of Tala if they're in the target market, because even if they don't buy, one of the most powerful pieces of feedback you can get as an entrepreneur is the things people don't like about your product or why they didn't buy or why they don't have the need. So that's, that's pretty awesome. And then anybody that's working on interesting AI technology that they think might be helpful to what we're doing, you know, something lower level that we could integrate into Tala, I think would be really, really interesting too. Okay. Well, you definitely have the right audience here. So where can people go and find out more about Tala and to say hi to you? You know, Tala.com, T-A-L-L-A.com, or, you know, they can email me, Rob, R-O-B, at Tala.com. That's a very simple way of, uh, of expressing that. I wish I had a, a similar type of email address myself. So thank you very much, by the way, for, for this conversation. It, was, it, it really kind of triggered me in a number of ways, which is always good. And yeah, good luck with your company. All right. Thanks for having me on the, on the show. It was a pleasure, Rob. And for everybody listening today, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Rob May, co-founder and CEO of Tala. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this, to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. 
you might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.